one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, prospectors, to another episode of The Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we are delving into the salty minds of the Magic the Gathering subreddits, looking for the saltiest posts, the saltiest topics to talk about, bringing those back up and sharing them with all of you. Maybe we will talk about some interesting things, some playgroup dynamics, give out some bits of wisdom, make you laugh, make you cry. Who knows? As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Tony and Mike. Say hey, guys. Hey, God damn! I don't like redo that you it. did redo it backwards. It. Redo <laughs> it. He did it backwards. Redo I it. Fucking tricked you. <laughs> I no, I knew it as soon as you said it because it felt wrong. But I was like, I, I can't not. It did <laughs> feel wrong. Uh, I've been summoned. I had to do it. Well, hi. Hey, Mike. <laughs> Maybe Mike should start saying it first now. <laughs> then I'll say. I'll just keep flipping it every time. I'll start introing. I'll just come up with a celebrity couple name for you guys, like Mike Coney. That was a good try. Good first effort, but uh, <laughs> don't know that it landed. <laughs> Especially yeah. when Moni rolls off the tongue so much easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Moni is already Tony's name when he fucks. Oh, no. Oh, dear. This is how we're starting today. <laughs> no. Oh, man. It is how we're starting. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, like we said, this is a podcast where we're going to be talking about salty things, salty posts. Um, we got some good posts here, some good topics to talk about today. Oh, yeah. But, Sam, <laughs> the fuck is salt? Great question, Tony. <laughs> Thank that you. That delay added so much suspense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've almost been putting it in the back burner. I got to like bring it back to the forefront, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Salt is a lot of things, you know, salt is when Wizards of the Coast uh, wants to celebrate a 30th anniversary for a card game that you love <laughs> and they produce a product that does have some interesting cards in it, some interesting reprints you never thought would be reprinted. Uh, but the dollar value is just prohibitively expensive. And they're fake. And they're yeah. fucking fake. <laughs> and they're just proxies. <laughs> they're just, they're not tournament legal. Um, what's another example of salt? Salt is when you sit down at your local LGS to play a game and your opponent breaks out their sticker tribal deck and starts placing tiny little stickers all over cards. Um, salt is when someone sits down across from you with their post Malone tribal deck and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and comes at you hard. Uh, salt is when you go to the LGS to sit down with your heads. I win tails. You lose deck and you still don't have it. Cause it's never been shipped out by Watsy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of salt. That's a lot of salt, man. That is a lot of salt. Yeah. And there's a lot of salt in the community right now. You know, I think there's a lot of outrage and frustration with wizards of the coast and what they've been doing with uh, the magic, the gathering product and bringing in different intellectual properties and, you know, really just squeezing the shit out of the fans for every single penny that they have. Yeah. I think Tolarian Community College did a great episode on it at some point of like magic is always dying uh, and there's always yeah. something, <laughs> but it, this one really feels like there's just a more of those events happening at, at one time. And I'm not saying I think it's dying, but it is a lot of outrage from the community recently. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been this like slow build, but like the universe is beyond thing has been a concern in the community for a while. Obviously, we've talked about The Walking Dead on the show before. Obviously, that was not well received. Uh, other things have been a little bit better, like Godzilla people really liked. I think everyone kind of agrees if they're going to do that, 
IP templating, that's the way to do it. They did that a little bit with the Stranger Things cards as well, um, giving them actual counterparts. But more and more IPs are getting announced, and that's been pretty frustrating for the fans that want the game to kind of stay stay like within its own lore, you know? I will say that like the 40K decks do seem to have been received pretty well, but I think that's just because there's a lot of 40K fans that overlap with Magic. I also feel like that stuff like fits in. They still feel like, I don't know, like kind of mythical creatures, like stuff within the realm of Magic. Like I feel like when you see that come down on a table, it's very different than like, oh, Rick Rick from The Walking Dead or... like 11 from fucking stranger things like it just takes you out of the game like that's what i don't like about that kind of stuff it's like oh i'm in this world we're doing cool stuff it's magic that still is like close enough to it and then it's just like oh like this person like real people that you can like associate with too they're in their own universe and you're just trying to smash them together and i fucking hate it I've said this to you guys before, but the thing that bugs me with Universes Beyond, like I don't really care about the IPs coming in, you know, whatever. It, it some things fit, some things don't. But like if you're a fan of something, you're gonna flip out when they print like Clifford the Big Red Dog, Secret Lair, if that's your shit. <laughs> I will buy someeday when they make a true deflecting swat that is Piccolo. Oh, dude, DBZ set fucking. I will absolutely buy that. I'll mail Watsy my give credit card. DBZ, like, like I don't give a shit. Can we no. get back to the Clifford secret lair though, where only <laughs> the big red dog is of jumbo card and all the other oh, ones are man. normal size? That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd be so good. But yeah, my main issue with universes beyond is kind of what you were saying, Tony, with like the real people. For me specifically, it's actors' faces. I don't want to have a card where. It's like, oh, just an actor on a piece of paper, you know? I think they had an opportunity with The Walking Dead to use the art from the original graphic novel, which would have been kind of sweet. Mm. I think it still would have gotten some hate, but I don't think it would have looked as strange on the table as it does right now. I don't know the name of the actor for Rick Grimes, but like you're just playing this like photo of this guy, you know? And it's just weird. It's strange to me. For sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's something that slowly builds, right? Like, you know, this year there have been a lot of printing issues and quality control issues. And I think people are getting really frustrated with that. It's kind of become a meme like, oh, Watsy QA, like in the Unfinity set, some cards have the acorn symbol on it. Other cards have been printed without it, but it's the same card. And it's like the legality is confusing. There are more and more misprints, it seems like these days and mispacks in pre-constructed products. Obviously, the heads I win, tails you lose secret layer deck has been like delayed so, so long uh, to the point where like I have a friend who just fully proxied the entire deck so he can still play it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a cool deck, but that that's a huge bummer. And then recently, there's also just been this like crunch of saturation of product, right? It's even like hard to remember them all. We had like Dominaria, we had Unfinity, we've had 40K. And now we're getting into Brothers War and it's just like constantly jamming down our throats. And I understand that Unfinity had like a printing delay, you know, see previous point and got moved in like the release schedule. So it feels like things are on top of each other, but it's just kind of crazy. You know, it's like so much shit right now. You know, I was actually talking to another friend about this and it's like, maybe we're just not the target audience anymore. And for a while I felt like I was, and I was like, I am somebody who's young who at, at this stage of my life, I don't have kids, I don't have anything. I have like a good paying job. And so it's like, I can afford this shit. Like this is like fucking cardboard we're talking about and I'm paying a lot of money for it and I'm doing it time and time again. And like, I can't keep up. Like there's a lot yeah. of cool stuff coming out, but I just, there's so much shit. I was like buying a box, a fat pack. Mm, I haven't had one in a while. I might <laughs> get one, but like, <laughs> I was buying one like every, every set, but then all of a sudden I was like every month I was buying one and I was like, what is going on? I just can't keep up anymore. It's like, you can't just be a beluga anymore. Like medium sized whales aren't cutting it. (laughs) We're exclusively going for like the blue whales at this point. I'm just like a little porpoise over here. Yeah, I'm just, just a porpoise. I'm just a a fish over here. I feel like it's one of those things where like for a while it was, at least you could relate to wanting to maybe buy a product even when it was for you now it's like this product is not for you it's like 
and you can't even imagine this product being for you. That's that's at least how some of the yeah. Magic 30 stuff has felt like. It's so far off base that it seems ridiculous. That's well, yeah, so true. I mean, it's, it's come to a head with this Magic 30 product where even if you were just buying booster boxes or whatever to keep up with all the releases, that is a huge draw on your finances. Feeling like you have to keep up, which we can talk about. I don't think people need to feel that way. But now there's this Magic 30 product and like you said, Tony, I mean, we have like pretty good jobs. None of us have kids yet, all that kind of stuff. Even with that, this Magic 30 product is fucking crazy expensive. Like, I don't know yeah. who is buying this. Well, I do. I know Cassius Marsh is buying like a yeah, lot. Yeah, no, but it's like, I don't have a single <laughs> actual like friend that will buy this. Like, yeah, there's no one that I know that will buy this. And so it's like, I don't know. In some degrees, it's like, what does that say? You, my friends who are collectors are like, this is stupid. The cards aren't even playable, man. They're fucking proxies. Yeah. <laughs> They're like Watsy official proxies. And it's like, you know what the difference between a Watsy official proxy and a regular proxy is? A thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, $999 and 75 cents probably. Probably even more. Nine yeah. cents. <laughs> yeah. Thank God they saved us for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think people are rightfully frustrated with that. Agreed. So fuck the police. And the thing is, I think they're going to sell well. I mean, the profit margin is insane, right? Like if you print exactly. <laughs> like a couple of them, if you sold a hundred of them, that's like well quick, worth it for them, math. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tony thought about doing the mental math and backed off at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's in that's the like realm of... Pretty good. <laughs> I, how many is a hundred... <laughs> thousand dollar pack sell for uh let's not do math <laughs> i am also not going to do math on the show it is a hundred thousand i was just confused about that number i hate you both how much you're trash <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is i think the people who do buy them like the people who are in that bracket that are going to buy them they're not just going to buy one they're going to buy 10 you know and yeah. you have this situation where a handful of people in the community make up for the rest that don't even buy it. And it really is true. It's like it's like the professor said in his recent video, this product is not for us. It is not for us to consume. It's for other people. Yeah. And it's such a bummer that a 30th anniversary product cannot be enjoyed by some people who have probably been playing for 30 years and by everybody in the community who enjoys it. Like it's meant to be a celebration, right? And really what it is, is celebrating greed. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good card. Four mana. Pay two life, I think. <laughs> one, life? one life, one mana. I think two it's life? two life, one black. Yeah. Draw a card. <laughs> I will say one last thing about this before we move on. And that is, you know, one thing I've heard from a lot of people is like they feel burnt out by all the products coming out. And I think that there's this feeling like you have to keep up with every new product and keep buying it. And I just don't think that's true. I think a lot of that is like self-imposed that feeling. For instance, I have, I talk about it all the time. I have a Rafik deck. It has not changed in like four years. Maybe, maybe over the course of the last four years, I've bought like six cards for it. It's still a blast to play. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out on any new cards when it comes out, you know? Like, I don't think you need to really be like building and tweaking that much. If you enjoy it and you want to, that's one thing. But if you feel like you have to do that, to keep up, I don't think that that's true. I think that's a self-imposed thing. Yeah, I think I just wish like with all the new product that was coming out, there was more like fun, weird shit coming out too. Like unique commanders that sort of play on some of the older mechanics and things and like boosting up some of that. But then this isn't true for everything because there is some unique stuff too, but it feels like there is a lot of sort of the same stuff. But I think the one positive that I'm looking forward to is like, I haven't really kept up for the past few sets. So like, I'm hoping that in one of these upcoming things, mm -hmm. there'll be something weird that I want to build. And then there's going to be like all these cards from these new sets that fit into it that like, I just haven't looked at or known yet. So it might make like deck building fun too. Didn't you just build Rafine? I did. And like, <laughs> sadly, a lot of the cards I do find are like, older cards oh, like i'm yeah, not really yeah, playing yeah. a bunch of new stuff the commander's new fresh yeah, off yeah, the pressure sure. i mean is it really fresh off like capenna was like six yeah, months I guess ago that was a while ago 
Was it really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> felt new to me. That's <laughs> old. That's the newest deck I got. <laughs> I, I will say that there's some like fire cards in Dominaria. There's some really dope commanders in there that play into a narrow space. And I think that those are the best commanders that get designed are the ones that aren't just generically good. They're like, oh, like I'm only good with this very specific type of card. You can yeah. build the deck in a few ways, but you have to do it within this limited space. That's what I like. Give me more of that. So talk to me about Reddit posts. Yeah, let's get into it. Ooh. You know, I think we've we've uh, beaten this dead horse off. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Off? no, 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 no. Is that what you I just say? Beat it. It's beating a dead horse. It's not beating off a dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> Drastically different. <laughs> yeah, really different. I mean, it's both ineffective, right? Either way. <laughs> no. Uh, I did that on purpose. And it shows. You know me. You know me, guys. You know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Well, I got some posts here, guys. Lay them on me. This one comes to us from the EDH subreddit, and it comes to us from user Chinese Fried Rice. If you guys see Chinese fried rice around the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. The post title is, have you ever ended up being the bad guy because you're playing optimally, even if it's a bad deck? My general deck building philosophy is build casually, play optimally. And the post goes, I just arrived at an LGS I hadn't been to in a while. After playing one game with Ezior Kedis, I switched over to Kadira, list here. There is a link in the post. Against a pod with Xander, Miram, and Sephiroth. I just want to go ham with tokens. The Miram player ramps up to seven by turn four, thanks to an opponent's Bucknard's Everfull Purse. Some sort of group hug effect, I imagine. I was like, is that a real card? <laughs> I think it's like a D&D card. Oh, okay. So I take him out by turn six, thanks to Overrun. And the Xander player on turn seven with Mirror Entity. The Sephiroth player straight up scoops and forms a new pod with the Xander player on the next table, leaving me behind. I get it that we should have perhaps had a rule zero discussion about expected turns to end the game, but I kind of felt bad that they felt that they had to switch pods to get the kind of experience they were looking for. Supplementary question, by what turn do you usually expect casual games to end? Hmm. Interesting. So we've got a post here where somebody... They didn't really have like a post-game talk. Somebody just grabbed their cards and walked away and maybe feeling like they ended the game too quick, but they're just playing optimally. Um, That's yeah. interesting. I feel like the title of that post doesn't exactly really get at what happened there. And I feel like that's kind of a, a sign. Like to me, this title makes it seem like the the poster feels like they were, you know, people left the table and disliked the play experience because this person played optimally yeah but even in the post they call out like you know people just have different expectations so it could have just been a mismatch of expectations and then it also could have been you know these players might have gotten up to go play at a different table because they weren't sure how long the game was going to go from then you know if if you're stuck with three people you don't know one do person I stay at that point one person yeah do you stay at this table and really wait for those three players to finish or do you go try and find another game really quickly i feel like it's a little bit tricky to evaluate that sometimes uh, as the person in the situation let me clarify here because so we have op opponents a b and c op knocks out opponent a on turn six with an overrun knocks out opponent b on turn seven using mirror entity again they're playing this like big go wide token deck at that point, player C just scoops, walks away with player B, and they go form their own pod. Yeah. See, that's a bummer. So that's like, personally, Overrun, Mirror Entity, these are strong effects, but not like OP cards. Overrun is like your classic green finisher, and Mirror Entity is like a pretty classic white finisher, if those really exist. I don't think that there's an oppressive play pattern here that's ruining things. I think it just turns into a case that like those people felt like they were pub stomped, even though they just didn't have stuff to deal with it, which is like, I don't know, like you're saying, they're, they're not like crazy cards and all like single target removal. Individual player removal. Blue could fucking counter, you know, the the overrun or whatever. But like, 
the mirror entity like could just be removed but yeah it just seems like that's how those people felt and all three of them felt it right it's hard to like tell without like a little more context and like sort of seeing there but yeah that's true i think the biggest thing is the thing that op is asking is like what turned as a casual like game end and it it's too much of a spectrum. Like I, I almost think like, again, like for us, we've talked about this before, like we have high power tiers, we have low and it's like, you should know when your deck is going to win or what turn it's trying to win on. And like most scenarios, not just like an ideal, perfect scenario or the worst case scenario that should probably be set at the beginning of the game. Cause that will just help level set expectations as opposed to like, Oh, my power level is this, it's that. I think like, that's what helps to, sort of drive getting everybody on a similar playing field. Yeah, I think this poster is calling that out too. Like they're asking, what turn do you normally think a game should end on? Like they're asking these things, they're calling out, they could have maybe talked about that in the beginning. I sort of feel like the problem a little bit is that my answer to, oh, what, what turn should a casual game end on? My answer to that is like, oh, somewhere between, you know, turns four and 15. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. and and I have decks where it's like, what turn is this trying to win? It might come across pretty similar. Like, oh, I might dark ritual out of Bolus's Citadel and win on turn three, but I might like grind you out with a ton of value for fifteen turns and still not have the win. So it's <laughs> it really can go either way. And so I think the piece of salt that I find the most interesting in this post is actually this poster feeling upset that people decided to seek out a different pod in order to find the play experience they were looking for. And that, you know, they felt they kind of feel like they couldn't like have a good time with these people or that they failed at making an enjoyable experience with the people at their table, which, Oh man, that, that speaks to me that you don't want to feel like the person that really nullified everyone's fun. So it does become this kind of introspective moment of like, did I do something that made that game unfun? Or are the people in the pod a little outrageous for maybe just walking up and not even kind of giving them a, an extra chance? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That that's definitely resonates with me, though. Yeah, for sure. I think it's the second part there, Mike. You know, we're a big fan of like the post-game chat, what went well and what didn't go well. And I think that this person kind of deserved that in this situation. Maybe their opponents aren't the courteous type to go out of their way and do that. And for them, it's just easier to scoop, walk away and start a new game. Mm -hmm. But to leave OP here, Chinese fried rice, to leave them with this feeling that they did something wrong, I think is my source of salt for this. Cause that's just not fair, you know? And frankly, I don't think that they did anything wrong here. One player got knocked out turn six, one got knocked out turn seven. The writing was on the wall that they would probably knock out the next player on turn eight. Winning a casual game on turn eight is average. Our casual games, we track them all. Our casual games, the average is like eight and a half or something. Eight and a half turns. Yeah, but that's those 15 turn uh, games. Like (laughs) helping out, boosting those numbers up. (laughs) Totally. But but like maybe you're on the average, maybe you're slightly ahead of it, but still like that's not crazy in my opinion. And decks win games in different ways. Voltron decks will want to eliminate players just like this. Eliminate one player, then the next, then the next. And you have to do that over like three turns because you need the combat step every single time. I don't think that that makes those decks unfun to play against or super powerful, but in a pod of four people, one person is going to get knocked out first. Part of what I'm getting to is like, there are realities in the game of just having to get knocked out and be the first person out that you need to like kind of just accept and not be sulky about you know, maybe something else was going on at this game that was making those people unhappy. Maybe they just weren't getting their decks off in the right way and feeling a little sad and and frustrated about that. But like to put it all on Chinese fried rice's shoulders is just not fair, in my opinion. I, I think if anything, they're being really courteous, looking back on it and being like, maybe I should have done a more robust rule zero discussion. Yeah. If you've been this person, if you walked away from a table because you really dis- disliked some play pattern i do want to be clear that's always your your right like you can always step away from a play experience that you're just not enjoying that's mm-hmm. that's why conceding at split second speed is always a thing it's you yeah. should always be able <laughs> to step bullshit. away from something that you're not enjoying yourself in i think you should suffer and and do it at sorcery speed <laughs> but that's just my personal <laughs> opinion but remember <laughs> that it's not only that person 
who you're maybe denying like the opportunity to learn that their deck is not very fun to play against. If you don't mention that, you may lose out on the chance to play against a different deck that they brought that is totally. much more like the play pattern you're expecting. So it really is advantageous both to the person you feel like just pub stomped you or played an annoying deck or whatever. It benefits both you and them to, in a courteous way, mention like, hey, I, I'm going to find a different pod because you know I, I don't like playing this power level or I don't like playing against you know whatever it is you're allowed to do that but you'll benefit from doing that in a courteous way and they might be able to be like actually i have this other deck it might be better why don't we try that and then you can have a better experience from them yeah you have more to gain than you do to lose Mm -hmm. yeah i think the bottom line is just try to be a courteous opponent no matter which side of this you fall on you know if you're the person that felt slighted or if you're the person that did the slighting potentially like you just want to hopefully have that conversation and maybe see if you can get something out of it. Lay it on me. What's the salt rating here? Oh man, this is like a sad salt to me. I know. Like you as, know? You, as you're wrapping it up, I'm like, I feel sad. <laughs> yeah, <now."> I do <laughs> too. <laughs> like I, it just really, it really bums me out that this person is like feeling bad and thinking like, what did I do wrong to make this person's experience? Not what they wanted. You know, and that, that just really bums me out. Cause, cause like you said earlier, it, it just resonates with me. Like I, I feel that way sometimes and like think back on games and I'm like, man, did I like ruin it? What could I have done differently? Did I do something wrong? Um, and you know, I, I didn't cause I'm perfect. Thankfully, um, <laughs> <laughs> perfect player, you know, just perfect friend I've never raged out and had to call you guys afterwards and apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like for me, it's like, uh, I always have a rule with food that I'll always. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Just like smacked his microphone off. Is that that only on, is that just resting on there? Oh, is that a water bottle? Is that nope. always how you've had that be? No, it definitely is. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is definitely a microphone stand. <laughs> oh man, you were saying, Tony? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like for me, I have a rule with food that I'll always try anything twice because the first time I had it, it could have been like not prepared the right way, and mm. so for me, it feels like kind of like. They tried it, but then like, didn't, they're like, no, nah, I didn't like how that was prepared. I'm over it. I'm like done. Always makes me sad because I like food a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a good rule of thumb, both for food and for, you know, playing games with other people, like just give them another shot. You know, some, some of my favorite things I like had once and it was trash. And then when I had it again, I was like, oh, like fucking Brussels sprouts. Oh, love a Brussels. So good. I'm not gonna lie, growing up, I'm throwing shade at my mom right now and I shouldn't, but like we only ever had them like steamed or boiled. Oh god. Dude. And they were so gross. That's why people didn't like broccoli either, because it's just yeah. like steamed and you're like, there's this, just better this ways no to seasoning. do it. <laughs> <laughs> and like my mom's a great cook. Hit her up if you ever see her. Ask her for cream puffs, they're really good. But like <laughs> those Brussels sprouts were never doing it for me. And then one day I had like, you know, just like pan fried. I was like, holy yeah. shit. Like Bacon fat in there. Ooh, 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 baby. baby. Blue cheese on them. (laughs) Yeah, there's just so many better ways. You know what? Just cut out the Brussels sprouts. Just have some bacon fat. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Dude, I also had bacon the other day for the first time in a long time. And like, I thought you were going to say for the first time. I was like, what the fuck? No, (laughs) just first time in a long time. And I was like, man, this shit is so fucking good. You know what, though? It, It makes your whole house stink. It really does. You get that like oil sheen. Like if you cook it too much, it just makes your house messy. I, I got issues with bacon. I, lo- <laughs> I love bacon, but I don't like to cook it at home. <laughs> but at home, that's where you can get it like the crispiest, which is like nice. It's true. I mean, you're not wrong, but it, man, it, the and do you bake your bacon or do you fry it? I'm a pan fry guy. And that's probably part of, you know, the splatter, you know, that's probably an issue. And the, the smell. splatter will be and an the issue smell. there. The smell the smell is pervasive. It doesn't yeah, you matter get it either way, but I think it's worse. I think it's worse stovetop. <laughs> it's like actually better in the oven and it blows my mind. Or it's, you know what? It's easier 
there's going to be so many people that are like, yo, bacon smells delicious. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. uh, I know it smells good, but it, but there's like an oil that collects on surfaces in your, in your home. And it's like up above on the ceiling and you can't clean that, you know, I don't know. I got I like after, it. after I've eaten the bacon, I don't want to smell it like an hour later, you know? This is such a deep aside. <laughs> so Reddit. <laughs> yeah, like, so. This is this for me. This post is the salt that is the bacon oil collecting on your ceiling. <laughs> yeah, that's what this salt is. <laughs> oh man, nice, super solid transition. Now I'm, I'm ready for another one. Now, yeah, I think I think we're ready for the next one here. So we just talked about a lot of salt. We talked about community salt today. We talked about actual salt in the food of bacon, (laughs) (laughs) salted pork. Um, How about we take a little break, guys? A little sugar break. Ooh, sugar Sugar. break. You got you take it. Oh, no, you you do yours, Tony. Oh, no, uh, no, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, so confident. (laughs) I try. If you are new to sugar break and new to the podcast, Sugar Break is a segment where we uh, we do it every once in a while. We take a break from the salt and we talk about something happy, some good news in the community, uh, maybe a, a more positive post. Better if you just forgot because we haven't done it in a while. <laughs> yeah, that too. It has been some time. <laughs> it's not an every week kind of thing. And the record would reflect that it's not an every month kind of thing either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, special occasions only. So this one comes to us from the EDH subreddit, and it comes to us from user Diakia. And if you guys see user Diakia, give them an upvote. Spread that goodwill. That is, if you haven't already given them an upvote, because as we know, sugar break posts tend to be pretty upvoted because they're like positive, they're good. Everyone can share a story. Wholesome. Salty posts don't get as many upvotes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and the post is titled, There's No Better Feeling Than Being Able to Do Your Thing in a Game Even When You Lose. Mm, true life. So Respect. good. <laughs> and it's, it's true, man. And the post goes, Yesterday I played a new CDH deck, Kinnon Midrange, which is focused around getting out huge mana payoffs, mostly big creatures, and eventually going infinite and winning from there. I had the best game. I threatened a turn three Jin Gataxius progress tyrant but was stopped by the stacks player. And then after two or three more turns, I had out two Glenelendra Archmages, Coma Cosmos Serpent, and Nixbloom Ancient, alongside with Jin Cataxius and two Mana Crypts and a bunch of other rocks. Tapping out at a really bad time meant that I met my demise at the hands of Jetmir, Nexus of Revels. But even though I lost, I still felt like I won because my deck went the fuck off and basically <laughs> had to be dealt with. Just wanted to share this because I think a lot of people get hung up on winning or losing, but you're only supposed to be winning 25% of the time, theoretically. So all you can really hope for is that you get a chance in the limelight, regardless of the ultimate outcome. Love it. It's so true. If your goal is to win every single game of Magic you play, uh, you're only going to accomplish that 25% of the time if you're playing in balanced pods, if your goal is to pop off every single game, you can do that. You can have a hundred percent pop off rate. If you build your (laughs) decks well and mulligan well and get lucky aim for that, aim for that. And your experience is overall so much better. I love, I love this attitude. Yeah. I really love to play decks that lean into this too. I think it's one of the reasons why I like combo decks because the combo is you doing the thing and it often leads to a win. Um, it's kind of this thing you have to assemble, but even like my Voltron decks, uh, you know, I played a game this past week, uh, with some friends and was playing my Rafik deck and got the opportunity to do one of my favorite things, which is cheat in Eldrazi conscription and just one shot somebody completely, <laughs> which brought me so much joy. So I, I was able to do that, knock someone out next turn. I knocked out another player and then I lost. But man, I felt like I won. Like it just <laughs> felt so good. I didn't even care that I lost. And like, that is the best feeling. I really do love just being like, man, like I'm going to lose. And I'm like losing with a smile on my face. I feel like that's actually one of the things I love about playing my Zyrus deck. And actually, I think it does tend to win. 
it's like I feel like I'm watching everyone else's deck go off because I it's a little too um group huggy. Like I built it pretty group huggy. Yeah. It's so like everybody's fucking drawing cards, everybody's like popping out a bunch of mana, and on turn five, without fail, most times like crazy shit starts happening. And like it's just like fun. It's like I feel like I'll always say that. We were actually we played some games the other day and Nick lost, but he was playing a Bruvac mill deck and he milled oh, out yeah. two players and he was like, Oh, this is great. Like, <laughs> Like, that's what's more fun than winning, for sure. Didn't Nick get Mike with a Traumatize where you, like, mill half your library and then because of Bruvec, you mill out the rest and you just lost? Yeah, yeah. just doubled. Mill yeah. just doubled. It's, like, Goodbye. amazing. Love that. Yep. Just get to flip over the whole stack. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you did it one card at a time, very slowly, just no, to show I you. Like, <laughs> I like the pick up the whole stack this goes here and flip it over <laughs> it was actually hilarious because that's i mean that's literally what he did but it's just like on camera we all watched sets it down he's like well okay that's my graveyard <laughs> now just because like, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like mike's usually like the man with the answers so i thought maybe he's gonna do something <laughs> and then it was just like whoop. <laughs> yeah i think like building your decks with that stuff in mind is one of the keys to taking losses with a little bit more like grace. Like every deck you play should have kind of like a mini goal that you're looking to do. Like when I play my Alesha Humans deck, my goal is to start some kind of like value engine with sacking something, recurring it with Alesha, and, you know, just slowly building value. Like sometimes I'm just doing that with like, uh, you know, Sad Robot but I'm like, oh, like I'm getting a land and I'm drawing a card and I'm sacking this. And it feels like I'm I'm doing something. It feels like the engine is going. With Rafik, it's like loading up a big fat Rafik and at least knocking one player out with commander damage. As long as I do that, I'm stoked. Yeah, I think that's good to keep in mind both on deck building as well as just like in those post-game chats, your, your rule infinity chat, if you will, where it's at the <laughs> end of the game. Like you can celebrate those moments other people had, even the people that didn't win. And it can kind of just nullify some of those like, oh, I didn't win moments, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Where you can be like, oh man, that was crazy when Nick did the traumatized thing with Bruvac and totally knocked out Mike. Yeah. You know, that was awesome. Even though Nick did lose that game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which was also awesome. That's also good. (laughs) And like you said, like you're losing most of the time in theory, right? Like that is like the whole point so like knowing how to have fun through that is is definitely important i was actually looking at our stats to see how true it is now that we have we have like over 100 games at least right we actually hit our 100th cdh game without sam wow sam was yeah yeah it's fucking tragic. <laughs> it's like probably one percent of the cdh i'm gonna delete games. it <laughs> i'm gonna fucking delete the record one percent of those games are recorded by me and it's yeah. the 100th game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the first time where I've missed a game night that was recorded, probably. It was my anniversary, you know, eight happy years. I, I couldn't... Uh, I was cute. doing things, man. Eight <laughs> years, 100 games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's two true. anniversaries that night. <laughs> that's that's obviously a joke. Celebrate <laughs> yeah. your eight year. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> While you had those stats open, Tony... We're talking about win rates with this thing. You know, somebody talked about this theoretical 25% win rate. We had a story earlier where some people lost and we're feeling kind of salty about the loss. I mean, this is something that comes up a lot where people can't process the loss of a game and it kind of comes out as salt. So what are you seeing over there? Like, what is our split right now? Is it pretty um, close to like, does it hover around 25% it's pretty close. per person? Yeah, yeah. So you, Sam, actually are at 25.9%. Nice. Hell yeah. Mike is at the lowest at 19.7%. Bringing <laughs> nice. up the rear strong. Uh, Nick is at 21.2%. Uh, and then save the best for last. Your boy, 34.2%. Uh, breaking the average a little bit, but you know. Yeah, I got to check those stats. I think that's wrong. <laughs> uh but the so person that's the why tony's is, a pub stomper yeah will, will has a 50 percent win rate but he's been in two games <laughs> that guy should be deleted from the table <laughs> but even even brett he's only appeared eight times so it's not that many but he's at like 37 percent, right so it's like that still is like in like it's not like he's at 75 percent, right at at eight eight wins so it's like 
with more data. It's just like showing that that's true. Like it's somewhere around a quarter yeah. of the time. And that's like, just for the listeners at home who are confused about our stats, we track overall wins, like wins in the pool of all games possible. And we also track personal wins, which are like wins by appearance. So, yeah. you know, that's what, what Tony's talking about now. Like these are wins by appearance. So how often are you showing up at a game winning as opposed to like, what are your total number of wins out of the entire pool of all games we've recorded? Yeah. And Sam has been uh, there for the most games at 135. I'm a G. What can I say? Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's so close to like, you know, this 25% ratio, obviously Tony clearly cheating, uh, clearly, yeah. probably <laughs> just, probably just altered just pub the, stomping. the things just straight right pub now. stomping. Yeah. <laughs> just bringing CDH decks to our casual games. <laughs> yeah. Can't think of anybody who's done that. <laughs> <laughs> probably the guy with the sub 20% win rate. <laughs> <laughs> Are you hinting that Mike did that at one point? <laughs> Mine's becoming borderline statistically significant. Yeah. <laughs> I might need you're... to start bringing better decks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm like right on the average, man. That feels pretty good. I, I don't mind that one bit. Tony's been on a pretty mean win streak recently though. I feel like what I love about that is that I, I honestly don't even really like notice it. And that's what I like. I like about wow, our you're games. So fucking cool, dude. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I know. I really I try. I don't even notice winning. Actually, so humble. That's like. I honestly like. I feel like half the like Stephanie. A lot of times <laughs> will ask me like, "Oh, did you win?" And I like. I have to like think. I have to be like, "Did I win tonight?" Like, I'm it like, just matters so little to me. I don't even give a shit. Yeah, I don't even you know. know babe. Doesn't even matter. Just <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> that's just like the vibe of our podcast. Mike is like, I lost so, again, motherfucker. My <laughs> recent salt streak is suddenly becoming apparent. <laughs> it, it has been very high lately. <laughs> you have to be really salty in, in, in our pod with our tracker. You have to be very salty to overcome your salt. <laughs> like the fact that I was the saltiest person, and I think I'm still the saltiest person statistically. You are 12.6%. <laughs> but that's come down. Like that, that used to be like in the twenties, man. Yeah. It used to be better than Mike's win rate. <laughs> <laughs> More attainable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to be salty every 25% of the games, that's a, that is very attainable. <laughs> if that is your definition of doing your thing in a game is being a salty bitch, you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, well we should move on. We're we're going down a rabbit hole. Hell yeah. We've been down many rabbit holes this episode. <laughs> yeah, we sure have, man. <laughs> Let's jump into one more and then call it an app. How about we do that? Let's do it. Let's do it. This one comes just from the EDH subreddit and it comes to us from user Zia Chusk. If you guys see user Zia Chusk on the subreddits, give them an up vote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. I know why I say user. It's because you're saying user every time. Well, it's a Reddit user. That is that is an appropriate term. I'm just saying. It's different Source than a found. podcast user. Yeah, it's Source different identified. Than, it's different than saying podcast user. That's like <laughs> weird. People don't use our podcast unless. They I do, do like use it. Unless they do. I do like referring oh to magic players as users because it magic makes it users. clear that it's an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Magic abusers. <laughs> so the post title is my friend may have a problem with his decks and the post goes. So a friend in one of my play groups, let's call him Stan for now, seems to have an issue. So he builds so many decks, loves the deck building process. It's just heartwarming to see him go on and do so. But Stan's issue is that he never puts in any form of interaction be it kill spells, counter spells, board wipes, protection spells, etc. When asked about why he does this, Stan replied, because interacting with other people's stuff is not fun. Aside from the fun is subjective argument that could be made, there's another part of this. Because he doesn't run any of these types of cards, when someone else in the group uses them, because everyone else in the group puts them in their decks, Stan gets upset because he spent so much time on a deck 
And as soon as one key piece was removed, or even just your generic board wipe occurred, he's unable to recover. This has led to him targeting people turn zero because he knows that they have the ability to do this to his deck. I want to try to explain to him and maybe convince him that he should at least run a few pieces. I just don't seem to really have a good source for the reasons by why you should run interaction index. And I doubt my own ability to explain it to him. Does anyone have any suggestions? Because the playgroup currently wants to space away from him because of these things. And they have all agreed it's not like they want to do it, but the issue needs to be addressed. Stan, baby, as the resident uh, non-removal user in our pod, you're doing all right. You're okay. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, I will say I do tend to not run a ton of removal, but something that I find helps me to run removal is to not run like all the standard shit. Uh, Even though it's like the most efficient and like the best, like for somebody, especially who really likes the deck building process, like finding cool removal that's like very unique to your deck, I think is like something that I enjoy. Like something that's just like kind of linchpinny around your commander, even if it's like, you know, four mana instead of one or something. It's just like, oh, I, I love when we're in a game and like Sam or Mike or Nick, I, I like play a card and they're like, what is that? And yeah. like, we all look it up and it's like, and they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't want to like lose my whatever, but it's like an interesting aspect to it for me anyway. Swords to what now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What is that? Path to who? <laughs> Croson, huh? Yeah. I mean, I think if someone really likes deck building, there is an answer beyond just including generic removal. Like you're saying, Tony, like really add the spice with that removal package, increase the synergy, make it a part of that deck building design from the get-go. The other thing I would say is that there's interaction in the game that is not removal. There's protection interaction. And if something you don't like is having your shit removed, then let me tell you about counter spells. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, these little guys are going to stop your shit from getting removed every single time. (laughs) There is a package that you can put into your deck that isn't going to ruin what other people are doing, but is going to stop them from ruining your shit. And if that is like your prerogative, then you should have some kind of protection built in. Doesn't need to be removal, but you should be able to protect your own stuff. Yeah, I will say in our game the other day, I felt the call to the dark side because Mike fucking played a goddamn board wipe and I had removal in my hand, but I wished it was a counter spell. And I was so upset with myself. I can't even tell you. I was like, (laughs) I really felt like my deck actually doesn't care about removing pieces that much. Apparently that's not true. Well, no, that's the thing. It's like, it wants more protection almost because that's what I've like realized in our past few games. And I'm like, the best kind of protection is to tell other people no. (laughs) Like you can't, do that thing and i felt i felt dark yeah (laughs) i think to me the big thing that is an issue in this in this post is uh not so much the running removal bit but like the getting really grouchy when other people interact with your board yeah you know you can have your own belief on what is fun but if a component is a core component of the game, you kind of need to be able to deal with it. And you can't just target a deck just because it runs a core component of the game. Like you sort of can, you can try and, you know, focus the control player, things like that, but you can't bring like bad vibes from previous games into recent games. And you should look for ways to avoid that. We've said it before. You can be salty, but don't start beef. We just said that. <laughs> we said it in a, we said it in a recent day. episode. We said it in a no, recent we did. episode. We did. No, it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that really bothers me about, like, obviously, like, the fun is subjective thing, you know, but, like, kind of dunking on other people or being mad at other people for doing something that you don't like, you can't really do that. Like, if I'm like, oh, I don't like artifact decks and Tony builds an artifact deck, I'm like, well, I'm going to fuck Tony up this game because I don't <laughs> like artifacts. Like, that's kind of weird, you know? Um, But the thing that really bugs me is that this guy, Stan, is targeting players because he knows that they are going to interact with his board. And at the same time saying, well, interacting with other people's stuff is not fun. 
guess what, Stan? When you are targeting somebody from turn zero and knocking them out of the game really early, that's not fun either, dude. (laughs) 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 To to be like, oh, I don't like removal. Uh, I don't really like to mess with other people's boards and then be like, well, I won't mess with your board, but I will mess with your life total and make it a zero as fast as possible. And then I'll do my fun thing when you're not on board. Like that's just as bad, right? Like, isn't that what you don't like? To, to focus people down. And now you're choosing to focus people down as your solution. It just doesn't make any sense. I do also think it's so odd that if they're so into the deck building process, that that wouldn't be like part of it. Cause that's like part of it too, right? Like, again, I don't really do it too well, but my, my most recent deck <laughs> has a bunch of fucking removal in it. Probably because we talk about it on the podcast. So I don't run it. So I'm like, I should add. So, <laughs> uh, and like, there, again, there is some aspects of it that were fun. Like, finding like quirky things that like I, again that like that's the thing for me i just love like when people are like what is that card like what the fuck that do just feels good yeah, yeah i mean there is a skill in building a very efficient and versatile removal package or, or interaction package we'll call it doesn't have to be removal necessarily could be protection pieces there is a skill in building that like perfectly to your deck and it, it feels good when those cards are in your hand at the right time and protect you from something big or remove a big threat and swing the game in your favor. Like that feels just as good as dropping down a doubling season and shitting out a bunch of tokens. Totally. I will say I played Ink Shield for the first time the other day. Oh yeah, spicy. And it felt so good. Like I was getting hit for a bunch of damage and like I was in theory going to die and I was like, actually... <laughs> and it yeah. felt really good. <laughs> it's a, that's a great card and a great example of like a weird. That's yeah, interaction. Just, just one but of those weird not... protection pieces. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Things like Narset's Reversal are also like fantastic protection pieces. Not a full counter. You're still giving that person their spell back to their hand, but you're stealing it and wasting the mana that they've spent. So there are versions of these interactions that are also like less mean but still very effective in what they do. And that can be something that you look into as well, or that you suggest to your buddy Stan. So what do we think about the salt rating here? Mm, potent. Potent. <laughs> <laughs> it's reluctant salt. No one at the table wants this salt to be so serious. Everyone wishes there was no salt here, but there is, and it's causing this distance. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's starting to like grow. Mm, it's crystallizing. Yeah. It is crystallizing. (laughs) This is like, this is a metaphor for all of my chemistry buddies out there. This is a super saturated solution of sodium chloride. And this just needs to be seeded by a single crystalline piece of sodium chloride before it all precipitates out of the solution. This is like maximum capacity salt. It needs a single grain for something to spill over and become a real problem. I mean, the interaction itself, what we're talking about, like just putting interaction into your deck, isn't really the core of the salt here. It's that you have somebody who's complaining, focusing people down, and unwilling to change. And that is incredibly frustrating to play with day in and day out. Yeah. To the point where these people don't want to play with this guy anymore. And, you know, we've talked about this before in the past. I think when you get to this point with a pod, have the challenging conversation because you literally have nothing to lose. If you're already to the point where you're like, I'm not going to play with this dude again, just have the conversation because you lose nothing and you have everything to gain in hanging out with your friend and and keeping that thing moving. For sure. Just want to point out your fucking nerd level just rose like so many levels on that uh, little precipitate (laughs) concentrated solution piece, but I'm, I'm an engineer. It. I'm here for it. <laughs> and I love chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> the real chemists are like, that dude was fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think it might be, let me check. I think it might be that time. Oh, shit. I think it's that time of the week. Oh my God. What time though? It's the time of the week that we look forward to every week. Every single fucking week. It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? <laughs> well, the salty card. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for Mike to start talking. <laughs> you literally like both like, 
like poised in the chair. (laughs) (laughs) Well then, uh, the salty card of the week this week. week. One second, that got weird because Sam was saying stuff. Oh no, (laughs) yeah, keep keep going, Mike. (laughs) Keep going. The salty card of the week. week (laughs) First time was actually a retake because I wanted to retake it. And now we're (laughs) stuck. Um, All right. The salty card of the week this week is Dockside Extortionist. Mm. (laughs) It is one in a red for a creature, a goblin pirate. When Dockside Extortionist enters the battlefield, create X treasure tokens where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponents control. And it's a one, two. And the flavor text here is it's just business. <laughs> oh man. That's Watsy's slogan right now too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so Tony, does this card make you salty? Uh, you know, it doesn't make me salty much at all. Generally speaking. I mean, I love playing it. Like when it works out for me, I'm like, hell yeah. It's almost like more of the interactions around the table as it comes down that maybe generate for some salt for me. Like people have like treasure tokens of their own. And they're like, what's like three more mana going to get do? Yeah, I'm not sacking like, my treasures, Tony. Stop asking me. <laughs> but it's just like a lot of times, like that's what'll make me more salty about it. But it's not the card itself. Like, I don't think it's oppressive. And I think it's like mostly fair. Mm-hmm. sometimes i'm sad when i see it hit in like not just like model red decks because i'm like oh okay <laughs> like a blue player somehow like blue and red and they're just like fucking crushing you with a dock side real quick and then like recurring it and doing crazy stuff yeah i think i i don't have a ton of salt for it but i i guess i get a little bit how some people may all right sam does this make you salty no, this doesn't make me salty. I, I honestly think Dockside is a fantastic card. I really don't think that it deserves all of the hate that it gets. It's strong. Like, don't get me wrong. It's strong and it's abusable. But I don't think that the lines of play are so oppressive that it like deserves a ban or anything like that. Some people are always like, oh, it's, it's, it's on the chopping block. Like Sheldon was like, oh, it's on our radar or something. And That's every bullshit. two months you see a post that's like, what happens if Dockside gets banned? I think it's probably not gonna. But in CDH, it's fantastic. It's a win con. Often you can like flicker it with, you know, a meal or something like that, or include it in some kind of strategy where it's this huge acceleration for your deck. In casual, practically, when I see it, it's really just like a ritual. I mean, yes, it is ramp because those treasures stay turn after turn, but it's not like oppressive to the point where. When I see someone play it, I'm like, fuck this game. Or even when I see someone play it, I'm like, well, we're about to lose right now. Usually it's like, okay, someone's about to have a big turn. Maybe it's going to sway things. But often I'm seeing it come down for like maybe four to seven treasures in a casual game. Seven being like really good. And in CDH, you know, it can be a lot more. But I don't, I don't think the play patterns really make it deserving of the salt. But it's fucking expensive and it's yeah. hard to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think for me, that's the part that makes me salty. This is one of those cards that I don't own. And <laughs> what a scrub. <laughs> Tony, should we take our dock sides and just parade them around? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But I remember it being $20 or maybe $25. So I think there's some salt purely around this card based on like the financial component of it. And I think that's probably why it ends up so high on the salt score overall too. Um, It's gone up. This is one of those cards that used to be lower on the salt rating, but with the newest 2022 survey on salt score, this has now gone up and is now 14th on the salt list. 14 shot up there. That's, that's stupid. I'll just say it right now. That is stupid. <laughs> That's dumb. It just is not the 14th saltiest card in the format by any means. I think, though, if you're to track the salt rating of Dockside, it may correlate almost exactly with the price of Dockside <laughs> because it's just, it's one of those cards that's kind of like Cyclonic Rift, which it's right after right now. It benefits almost any red deck that you put it in. Yeah. And it costs a lot of money if you want to play a real one. How, how much does it cost right now? Between 50 and 55. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. up there. 
Yeah. So, you know, as soon as a staple becomes prohibitively expensive, it just then kind of is a feels bad if you aren't running it in a deck. I think the salt on this card is really deck building salt for me rather than play pattern salt of like, it should be in the deck, but it's expensive, but it doesn't need to be, but that whole dynamic. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the things I think is interesting to talk about too that like Sam sort of mentioned is like the whole ban list thing and people talking about oh like oh it needs to be banned and like I just totally disagree with that and I look at Hull Breacher as sort of like a little bit of a card that's in was in a similarish state and got banned and like different controversies over that but Dockside really just says you do more it doesn't like take anything away from your opponents like Hull Breacher was like. You do more and your opponents do less. Yeah. We sort of talked about Still this concept. Card draw. And yeah. And, it, and it's like that felt way worse and like was a much more impactful card. And like a Dockside coming out really just says you get to do more stuff this turn, really. Right. Because like in reality, the treasure doesn't last forever, but there's a lot of ways to abuse it. But it's just like that's the like core principle that I'm like, it's not that crazy. Like you need other things to really break it. Like it's cheap. It's whatever, but to play, not to buy, but yeah, the play pattern of it to me doesn't cause the feel bad situations that often lead to a banning or, or I should even say the repeated feel bad situations that often lead to a banning or the repeated oppressive gameplay lines. Again, it is abusable if you want to combo off with it, like that can definitely happen, but I just don't think that's happening too often at casual tables, you know, see our dissertation on why we think everybody should play CDH (laughs) (laughs) if you are seeing it all the time. But yeah, I can definitely see the deck building aspect of it because it is one of those cards similar to Cyclonic Rift, Ristic Study, where generally speaking, any deck in that color pie would benefit from having it in the deck. Um, I can think of very few decks that include red that would not want a dockside. And the only ones I can think of are ones that run like Null Rod, Collector Oof, and Stony Silence. And guess what? I have a deck that has all those three and I still run dockside because it <laughs> <Yeah>. it's good. Because <laughs> it's that good. I'm just waiting for my $1,000 reprint version of dockside that's the only one i want <laughs> if i can get a watsy sanctioned dockside proxy for like 250 bucks i'll buy it yeah i can't wait for the uh the 60 year anniversary where they really doubled down and um you know by then booster packs will just be a thousand dollars each <laughs> well thanks mike that was a lovely salty card of the week That's all, folks. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all for us, folks. God. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I wish I could do a good, like, Porky Pig. I am so glad none of us can. (laughs) That is is the best news I've had all day, is that none of us can do a Porky Pig, and none of us will do one. Yeah. Thank you to all of our prospectors out there for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine. We love the community support that we've been getting for this show. I don't know if we've said this recently, but all of you listeners out there who tune in every single week, check out the show, laugh along with us, you know, listen to these salty situations and uh, choose to tune back in the following week. Like, man, that is just amazing. You know, we get some messages every once in a while from all of you out there just talking about how much you love the show and and talking about ways you want to support it. And, you know, that is something that's still in the works. We talked about it a couple episodes ago with our Patreon and things like that. I think right now we're thinking that that's probably going to launch sometime in the next few weeks, either before or after Magic 30, which is at the end of October. You know, stay tuned. It is coming. We got merch coming. We got a bunch of fun things coming. And some of you have asked me about how to, to get your hands on those exclusive Howling Salt Mine treasure tokens that we made. Those will be available at some point in some form. So just, just hold on that and uh, know that we will gladly print more and get them into the hands of all you out there. Print to demand. Like print all to demand, good baby. products. They should almost <laughs> be exclusive. One time run. <laughs> but they'll have a different back. Yeah, it'll have a different back for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we we may reuse that art again or, uh, you know, we we got plenty of things planned. 
a bunch of stuff in the works. So anyways, stay tuned on that. Uh, in the meantime, if you guys want to follow us on social media, you can always find us at Instagram at the Howling Salt Mine, on Twitter at Howling Salt Mine, and on Reddit at the Howling Salt Mine. If you want to email us your salty stories, send those to the Howling Salt Mine at gmail.com. And of course, we ask you to keep those short, sweet, and to the salt. We will talk to you more next week. Stay salty. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your drop step. It's the Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back. Are we Pros- doing it? Oh, oh my <laughs> God, <laughs> Tony. Are you kidding I, me? Uh, uh, sorry. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have prospectors now, so it's yeah, it's a better replacement. I think listeners is another really and listeners is better too. Yeah, dick suckers too. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) motherfucker. Yeah, like like little little piss bitches. You know? Oh, oh, frosty piss babies. Rusty Rusty dicklings. Rusty Rusty dicklings. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. When you said that's all. I think you almost said, I think you might've said folks again there at the end. And I really, I really wanted to be like, that's all folks. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now now you guys do your porky pigs. Absolutely not. (laughs) Go for it. I feel like I haven't even heard him in so long. (laughs) I can't. can't. That was amazing. Hey, I'm Porky Pig. Hey, <laughs> I'm Porky Pig. Here. I'm the pig from Looney Tunes. Ah, that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>